0: Hey yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry and I'm joined by James Key. Hello, James.
1: Not just Dustin Perry, the Dustin Perry. And I will say, after this week, weekend, Tony Schiavone made a big mistake. And we'll get into that. (laughs) But I will say Tony Schiavone made an egregious mistake.
0: Well... Uh, I appreciate the sentiment, I think is what I, what you're probably uh, hinting at there. Uh, Matty Key is also joining us on the podcast. Hello, Matty. Hello. Uh, James is referencing the fact that uh, he attended AEW over the weekend, and so did I, and so did a lot of people. So we're going to have a bit of uh, some of our thoughts on this week's episode. We're also going to talk about how the Raptors love Dick. We're also <laughs> going to talk about someone who is perhaps being a dick, Pascal Siakam, Taylor Hall. I don't know anything about Taylor Hall's dick. Bob Bradley, who appears to be, um, I I have no more dick references for Bob Bradley.
1: Done dicking out the the TFC.
0: All of that and a whole lot more coming up on this episode hosted by Three Dicks. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we'll talk a bit more about later. But first, before we do that, we'd like to uh, catch up on what's been going on in our lives in the past week since the last time we recorded an episode and maddie we're going to start with you because i feel like james and i are going to have something similar
2: yeah no no honestly my like interesting shit of the week usually doesn't start till thursdays so i mean it's really just three days of potentially interesting shit um golf's friday i i four ironed a ball off the tee on a par four to the green within three feet of the hole
1: Yeah, it was it was an
2: incredible shot.
0: And if you had Shooter McGavin's caddy, he probably would have recommended like your three wood.
2: Oh, he'd be like, (laughs) yeah, and I would have been like, you're fired. And it's funny. So on the whole previous, I go to my dad. I was like, hey, what 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 should I hit here, right? And I was like, what do you think? And I was like, because I'm gonna hit nine iron. He's like, I don't know. He's just like, you probably just use your pitching wedge, right? And I was like, okay, hit nine iron. I'm like, what? Like, I overshot it. And I was like, "Oh, pitching, my Oh, well, you're fired." And he just he got kind of mad. <laughs> he says like, what do, "What? do you mean?" He's like, "What is that supposed to mean?" He's like, "That, dude." And I like we're driving by in the cart as he's walking to his ball, explaining the joke to him. It was kind of funny, but um, yeah, no, I I off the tee, four iron, just like a nice little um, fade around the tree, down to the hole within three feet. Big eagle putt, fucking missed it.
1: <laughs> choked. Choked a three foot Choked eagle. on the eagle
2: fighters. Of, so of course. And
1: uh, so much so, this man got chirped by this old Asian lady who yeah. went, Eagle Pie? No, and and she's, no like, eagle? she's like, no, miss it. She goes, What a shame. What a shame. What a shame.
2: <laughs>
1: Honestly, but
2: she's fucking lucky we didn't lay into her because her and her dumbass husband on every fucking hole would hit their ball, stop at every ravine or every bush and look for balls for like
1: 10 minutes holding up everyone behind them. Yeah, dude. B- big rule of thumb is you don't go fishing while playing like if you're out there on the course, yeah, it's not a fishing trip. You know, if you see a ball, go ahead and grab it, but it's not panning for gold. Like you're not, you know, like at that point it's being cheap like trying to pull balls out of the river.
2: Yeah, like my dad walked up and was like yelling at them like, "Hey, Let's pick it up. Stop that. And then my uncle, who's a marshal at the course that we were, we play at every Friday, he's like, I see them every Sunday. And he's like, same shit all the time. They do this every time they play. I mean, if they're doing it every
0: time, don't you think someone should probably like say to them, hey, let's not do this anymore.
2: They do. They get told all the time. They just don't fucking listen.
0: But she like, hit a ball. Here's my thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So She was like out driving her husband. It was hilarious. Like she, she hit pretty well um so that was friday but like the honestly the majority of my past five days has been playing final fantasy 16 like i am so enthralled with this game um and i know we kind of touched on this a little bit coming in before the show dustin you and me but and obviously i've been talking to jimmy about it all weekend but just the scale and scope of this game is just it's ludicrous like the icon fights which are essentially the fights between godlike beings is crazy and it's just pure cinematic enjoyment and eye candy the music is next level like the guy who did the uh the soundtrack and the score just he he went out of his mind for this and just it's just the story is just really just when i think you hit your high moments in stories where like a lot happens you're like holy shit and then, you know, you kind of have like your refresher moments where it comes down a bit and kind of gathers itself a little bit and kind of has like a step back so you can kind of catch your breath. And that's when I'm like, OK, maybe it's going to slow down or something's not going to keep me into it or not not keep me into it, but kind of give me that moment where I'm like, all right, I'm cool to put this down. They throw shit in there that just makes you stay heavily engaged in the story, like just like little character details or little side things like, for example, and I know you you're a big Horizon fan, right, Dustin?
0: I played a lot of her, both Horizons: Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. That was yes.
2: That one. Okay, so I'm not sure what the side quest nature is like in that game, but I would say there's a lot of games where they put side quests in, and it's like, all right, you do things, you get a couple items, cool, but it's completely forgettable. Like it really doesn't matter anything to the grand scheme of the story of the world or whatever. You're just like, all right, cool. You know, it yeah, gives I'd you say- some context
0: most games that i play i feel like i don't really connect all that well story wise to side quests with the exception of like fallout i feel like it's the only one where i felt somewhat connected to it
2: right so this one it's the side quests are very very impactful to the overall i guess lore and story because for example you do one and you think it's like okay you're just dropping off this shit to these people right but at the end of it you talk to the guy and you find out about this guy that's been a character there that you've been interacting with and a really good character but you don't really that's how you get his backstory and it's very interesting and it turns like a what most games would be like a quick little 30 second drop off side quest where you just run through fight a couple of things drop your thing off and go into like almost like a little mini tv episode about that character it was really good and then there's another one where you're in this town that you come across and it's like okay cool you meet this guy and he's like the leader the head of this town that he he's building and you know you're you're kind of doing your thing and you know a side quest pops up for him and later on in the game after you progress a little bit and obviously you can ignore it but i'm doing every side quest in this game just because i'm so invested and then you find out through this whole thing where the reason he started this town was to start like his own little mini like mercenary army to take on this guy who is essentially like the former head of this military service that he left because of, you know, a whole bunch of shit. And this guy ended up slaughtering his family. So he's doing this all to get back to this guy. So then the next time you come back to the town after you leave, the town's being evacuated, all the soldiers are coming through and things like that and getting ready. And if you don't do that side quest, that doesn't happen. So it's, it's dynamic and it's, it's enthralling and it's engaging. So it's really, really cool. Do you think it's your game of the year right now? Yes, and I, I will fully preface that by saying I am very biased towards Final Fantasy because it is my favorite game series of all time. But that's also coming from someone who put heavy hours into Zelda, like heavy time into Zelda. Um, and I think what the reason is is what's working against Zelda is a lot of people interpret it as a Breath in the Wild, a Breath of the Wild two where it's like a reskin with some new ideas. I would agree with that. So, and I think that hurts it in its case to be game of the year because it's it's almost like you you had a head start. If, you know, you know what I mean, where this was a lot of hype, a lot of anticipation, a lot of trepidation because everyone knew it was such a divergence from what Final Fantasy typically is. And with who was behind the game, with the director, the producer, the composer, and the battle director and everything like that, there was a lot at stake for this game. And it's just an absolute masterpiece so far. And I'm only like half or three quarters through. And I was almost late for recording this because I was in the middle of a boss fight and I was playing, playing, playing. I was going through it. And my wife looks at me, she's like, are you guys of course "Yeah." She's like, yeah, it's like 530. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) So I'm like wrapping up the boss fight and like running in here. So yeah, no, that was it. Um, That's literally been my whole weekend. Something I never knew before. And you're
0: probably going to like be shocked. I didn't know this. That and I, I found this out recently. Like I was literally watching a review of Final Fantasy 16 where they had mentioned that none of them connect like story wise. Like, no. I don't need to know what happened from Final Fantasy to Final Fantasy 15 to play 16.
2: No. So the cool thing is, is like there's tag ups where there's like overarching themes and characters and and by characters, I mean like creatures or, you know, like side characters that are like, oh, that's a cool nod to this previous Final Fantasy, right? Like, for example, you'll like the summons are typically the same. There's a pool of them that they usually work from. And it's like, Freet and Bahamut are always consistent throughout the series. They may not be the same ones, but they just use them. Um, and then character names are always recycled. There's always a Sid in Final Fantasy. There's always a you know, there's always Moogles or there's always certain races and shit like that. But they don't connect in terms of saying it's, you know, like far in the future far in the past. It's just themes that kind of connect. In terms of shit like that and um, maybe some cities are named roughly the same or countries but yeah no it's not connected some games have direct sequels to them um but so i guess that's what x2 would have been yes yeah there's 10 10 2, uh i always wondered about that i'm like why is this game called x2 why is it just 11 yeah I, I
0: i never put that together
2: yeah so that's why and then 13 had 13 13 2 and then 13 lightning returns as a trilogy and so like if it's all a sequel, they'll do, like, preface it with, like, 10 or 10-2. But, no, you don't need to know anything about any other one. You just, you you get, like, certain cool little Easter eggs and tag-ups if you've played a lot of them. But, no, it's not needed.
0: All right, well, I still don't think I'm ever going to play this game, but I'm glad <laughs> you're enjoying it. It's i obsessed. Does, <laughs> it doesn't seem like my cup of tea, but... I think it'll be interesting, though, when we get to the end of the year of what gets that game of the year award, because, yeah, a lot of people are saying Zelda for, you know, Zelda reasons. And but like you're saying, like a lot of people are saying this could be it. had a legitimate chance of being it. Yeah. And then, of course, you have Starfield coming. So
2: and then also Spider-Man, too. But I feel like Spider-Man, two is that dark horse, like kind of falling in a year where you had. Tears of the Kingdom, you had Final Fantasy 16, you have Starfield. It's the Horizon of the previous year, where it's like God of War came out, and everyone's like, well, fuck.
0: And then Horizon from the year, the last Horizon came <laughs> Zelda. out. And Zelda came out, so. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot working against Spider-Man, but like I said, for me right now, front runner Final Fantasy, I mm-hmm. think Starfield's just going to be so massive and so late in the year that it's going to be hard to get it in there for Game of the Year, like to legitimately fully experience it. Yeah, I can see that. So, I don't know. Anyway, well, that was my... Oh. oh, go ahead. I was going to say one more thing. My roof flooded last night with this fucking rain, and so did my basement. So, that's dealing with that today. Wow. Yeah, that sucks.
1: Yeah, fuck my life. You get them to sponsor us, and code 43.6 gets you 43% off your first service, and then just use them. Hey, could you imagine? Be like, hey, by the way, I got this code. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, so um James and I had probably similar weekends, maybe not that similar weekends, but we did have a wrestling filled weekends. And if you can't tell, my voice is like almost gone because I had I did three wrestling shows in the past two days.
2: I was gonna ask, are you
0: sick? But then that makes sense. Well, I mean I kinda am too. Like I I woke up with a sore throat on like Wednesday and I've been like throwing everything at it since then. And I've been fine. Like I I it's been a minor cold at the most. But I think the what I'm dealing with now is just the fatigue and the fact that I probably on like eight hours sleep in the past three days, too. So there's that, too. Anyways, James, you yeah. went to Collision on Saturday. And yeah, do you want to talk those- about your
1: um, travels first and then we'll go into that? Like, is there anything you want to say about the indies?
0: Uh, what I will say, so on Saturday, we were in London for Smash Wrestling at the London Music Hall. Which is always fun. Um, Not much to report there. Other than, like, there was a lot of BC folks on the card. And it's interesting, like, you very rarely run into BC folks. And I think Von Vertigo was saying, like, he I don't remember who it was specifically. But he said he met some, like, BC dude, but in England. It's like, they (laughs) are somewhere in Europe. Like, we have, like, been wrestling for 10 years or whatever. Each... And we've never crossed paths until we were both in Germany. <laughs> it's just it's just weird how, like, the West Coast Canada and the East Coast Canada usually don't interact a lot of times in wrestling. So it was cool to see a lot of the BC folks on the events this weekend. The next day was, um, and uh, Pat, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this wrong again, but uh, Femme Fatale was the uh, morning show. Because I can't speak French. And I love you, Pat. I'm sorry. I can't speak French. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to butcher the name of this promotion cause it's in French. that's just, that's just how it's going to be anyways. Yes. Oh, so it was a femme fatale show, uh, with smash wrestling in the morning at 1130 in the morning. It's uh an all girls card, which, um, you know what? Okay. So there's two things I hate about doing girls shows. And I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you guys and James, you probably already know why I hate them. Reason number one is less significant. It's more like directly because of me. Um, normally, and I understand that there's probably a level of irony here. So let us I understand. Normally on a, uh, a traditional wrestling show, there's like the one girl's match or maybe none. I have the ability to just walk into the locker room, ask someone a question or pitch an idea or get some information or whatever I need. And you can hang out there and whatever until the show starts. On a girl show, I'm like, I don't want to go anywhere near the locker. Like, that's like, it's inappropriate. You don't need that kind of heat there, right? Even if you are just there in a professional manner and saying, "Hey, I just need to know what your hometown is, what your nickname is," like, I just need to ring your introduction information. I still don't want to go in there because then you become that guy. And I'm also (laughs) like hyper aware of the fact that I am a brown man. So it's like, anytime, trust me, anytime you do anything identifiable, easily identifiable. Well, not just that, but like. I don't know. There's always like negative connotations to anyone who's not white, and you're like, "Oh, that guy." I don't guy. know. I'm pretty and sure it's, it's almost just...
1: reverse now. I'm pretty sure it's just the like, like old white guy. I mean, obviously not reverse in, I guess, in aggregate, but like, <clears throat> I feel like like I don't know. I feel like dudes in general now. I think it's more that you you'd you be easy to pick out of the crowd. <laughs> It'd be like it was the brown guy. Must have been Dustin,
0: right? The only brown guy there in the entire building. So. In any event, I just try to stay away from all those situations altogether. Yeah. So it just makes my life more difficult. And then the other issue, and I'm not saying this is everybody, okay? (laughs) Not saying this is everybody. But a lot of times, um, there will be individuals who go to these events who you'll never see at any other wrestling event. They are a unique type of wrestling fan who only go to the all-girl shows. And they are there specifically to go to the merchandise table during intermission they don't necessarily even care to watch the wrestling or if they are there to watch the wrestling they're like creepily recording it with strange You're a weird
1: guy, Ace. weird guy.
0: right let me tell you man at intermission that uh merch table was sold out brother
1: though the the girls bring the gimmicks that's when you got to bring the the ring-worn gimmicks and you you get rid of them in a heartbeat oh
0: that's a great point. So that's a great way also to describe the type of people we're talking here—the type of people who are willingly and uh, very interested Dude, in buying. They, they would buy a set gear.
1: and immediately be like, "What else you got? Are you socks." I remember you got socks.
0: I, I, I probably I've probably told this story on the podcast before, and it's it's quick, and I don't remember what female performer it was, but she had said to me, "Some guy bought like her, you like her used tights or whatever." And then when he received it, he sent her an email saying, I can't believe you did this. You, you fucking washed it. Like, he was hot about the fact that she washed it before she sent it to him. Like, he's like, no, yep. this is the reason why I'm buying doesn't, this. is doesn't smell like your ass. It's not for Downey. <laughs> you know? yeah, it
1: doesn't smell like your ass.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. So this is what uh, part of the reason why I don't like working the girl shows. Which every time I creepers- see when
1: Josh Alexander posts his gear or something, I'm like... I wonder if this man knows that or cares that some dude's gonna be like, Hey Josh, just make sure you oh. don't watch it.
0: That I'm sure he absolutely knows who's buying his gear. There's like yeah. he knows it's going to, you know, that type of so I should also mention it's not just the girls who get this. So as yeah. evident, Josh Alexander sells his old singlets. And I haven't asked Josh who buys them, but I would hazard a guess that it is a uh, male
2: who is buying them.
1: For sure. Hey, man, oh, I, I have
2: the image in my head of dudes who would buy that for sure.
1: I mean, there is a caricature that exists in the realm of the forms that uh, is the perfect version of this man.
0: But what I will say that's good about the girls shows is that you, the girls listen when you tell them things. Now, not me specifically. But if the promote, Listen, Oh, hold on, wait. I'm getting... No, it's just understand. the way
2: you said it. It was just kind of awkward. When they the promoter listen. says to
0: them, hey, I need you to go out there and give me a 12-minute match, the girls go out there and give you a 12-minute match. If you were to do that on any other independent show and you tell two dudes, hey, guys, I need you to do eight minutes, please. We're tight on time. They're going to go out there and give you 14 fucking minutes. And you're like, God damn it. I just fucking told you. And then every single match on the card will go over four minutes. And then all of a sudden, you have a four and a half hour card. The girls will stick to their times. They will not do a million Canadian destroyers. They're not going to do a million reverse Ranas. Everyone and their mom is going to do a bump on the apron. Everyone's not going to do a suicida through the middle rope. Like they just do what they do and they do a good match and they give you what you ask for. And lo and behold, two hours 15 minutes later the show's over you are like this is this is how it's supposed to be (laughs) thank you
2: it's funny you say that one time we were at like completely divergent from wrestling but we were at a concert at sneaky d's for ice nine kills was headlining and there's this like the first opener hold on ice nine kills was headlining at sneaky d's this was years ago
1: holy fuck that's awesome years years ago every trick in the book was they were touring yeah, it
2: was I it was just as every trick in the book came out. So before they got like bigger than they are now, clearly. um, And there's this like the first opener came out and they were supposed to have like two or three songs. But the guy went on for like six songs. And didn't he? Cu- I, I I vaguely remember the details and Jim can correct me. But he like, came on the mic and pretty much just said, no, we're going to keep going. And then to the point where like they cut their shit like the band after them and like the manager sneakities came out and like pulled the mics and cut the audio and shit like that. And they got run out of the bar.
1: Yeah. it's pretty wild. It was,
2: yeah. It was crazy. They almost got their ass kicked. It was hilarious. Can't but, do that to the women. Yeah. So it's kind of like what you were saying is like, you know, just do your thing.
0: Yeah.
1: How is was yeah, so after defy? that? There,
0: yeah. So there's progress and defy after that. And Oh boy. Um, I love the progress guys, love the defy guys, but the issue that comes up with shows like that is like, I don't know who's in charge, right? Like you have a question and you have like three people to ask. And he's like, I don't know, ask that guy. And he asked the other guys like, yeah, maybe we'll do this. And then the other guy's like, you know what? Maybe we do this. And I'm like, guys, I need to go to the ring right now. So, so somebody's going to make a decision here. Um, and then there's also an issue with, uh, Hoobie, the juice who was stuck at customs for like six hours. And you're just looking at your watch. You're like, well, I don't think he's going to make it, boys. And Did he make it? You're like, no, no, he's he's in customs right now. He'll make it. I'm like, uh, guys? <laughs> mean, I'm it? the only local here. I'm telling you where the airport is and where this place is. <laughs> no, and no, but did he make it. it? Um, So the show ended at 5.15-ish. Hoovy, uh was supposed to be in the... Well... Hoovy's supposed to be the third match on the card, and then it got moved to the main event. Uh, Hoovy arrived at
1: 5.30.
0: <laughs> so.
1: The show Collected was long over, brother. And left. <laughs> it, was,
0: it was actually pretty <laughs> funny, where um, after the show ended, I was told to tell the crowd, like, hey, Hoovy's going to be here, even if the show's over. So if you want to do a meet and greet with Hoo- Hoovy, uh, he'll be here at 5.30, right? So I go to the ring. I'm like, okay, thanks for coming, everybody. And uh, if you're interested, at 5.30, Hoovy and Guerrero will be here for a meet and greet. <laughs> Everyone starts laughing. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm serious. I'm like, I'm not shooting on this guy. <laughs> like, he he legitimately didn't get hung up at the airport. Like, there's nothing we could do. But um, yeah, I think people expected actually for Hoovy not to show up. So. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's uh the world of uh, independent. I'll just say wrestling. again
1: in in photographs and videos, and I'm, this is not me being like any sort of personal thing. That venue is the dirt Wars venue. It is so ugly. Honestly. I heard the opposite from so
0: many people. They're like, man, this place is so cool. And I
1: mean, if you're in it,
0: I, yeah, probably. Yeah. I see. If, your you're,
1: point. if you're standing outside, if you're like bowling it, like it's, yeah, I, I personally just, it looks, I don't know. It looks like you're wrestling in a restaurant. <laughs> and and that's
0: to, what you're doing. So yeah. if you're not familiar, the, the events were taking place at the rec room in downtown Toronto, which is directly opposite the Rogers center. Um, The cool thing, actually, and shout out to Alan and his team. During the event, there's like there's TVs everywhere because it's a restaurant, right? Like there's the bar slash restaurant. Now there's an event space. There's a stage and a floor. For the band. For the band, right? Because I'm with the band.
1: You're with the with the band. It says on the wall.
0: Yeah. So there's TVs everywhere. And Alan and his team has the like the edited feed the program feed going to all of those monitors. So if you're sitting by the bar, you can look up at the yeah. TV AW and you can see too. the edited feed. Now, the cool thing that they're also doing, which I venture to say, there's no independent on the planet that does this other than Alan. Now there may be one or two that I'm not, that I'm not aware of, but not only do you have a live feed on all of the surrounding monitors, but they're also doing replays. Like they're cutting in double feature. Here's a replay of that spot, and they cut back out the live. It's like this is a television production they're doing for you
1: know, yeah. I don't think <laughs> you get that kind of level of production on like fight, you just don't. So it's
0: yeah, it's, it's unparalleled, right? I now. mean, unless so. it's unless it's AEW, right? And that's what I mean. Like on the, the WWE, does it sure? AEW, does, AEW, even barely does it, honestly yeah so
1: they did do the live feed like I, I i saw on the mod on the screens inside the the jumbotron so like i could look up and see what's happening on the opposite side of the ring
0: right so
1: yeah cool man
0: so yeah shout out to alan's crew they did a really great job and that was the the three events that i did over two days and then just because i didn't have enough i decided then to walk over to the bank arena to watch aew forbidden door but before we get to that james the night before was aew collision yeah. in the same building yeah the scotia arena and you actually attended that one
1: yeah so i got to go uh, with a buddy of ours i'm gonna call him the greek god from now on he's uh that's his new name
2: um <laughs> he's, and, very uh, great. he's shout a very out, good man
1: shout out to the greek god for you know took me to his parents restaurant had some food Went down, um, saw a bunch of people I hadn't seen in a while. So for for all uh, everyone's context, this is actually the first pro wrestling show I've been to in four years, since I quit. So it was it was a weird feeling because like I was going in, I'm like, is this going to give me like some sort of bug where I'm like, man, I got to get back, right? Like, man, I got to find a way to to do something. And it's funny because I had seen Tarek, uh, Wonderland uh, last a couple Fridays ago that, that we talked about, and he was like, man. He's like, you're not done. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably done. He's like, nah, you're not done. And I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. So then I kept hearing his words in my head uh, as I'm going in there. I'm like, eh, am I done? Am I not? Like, you know, eh. And then I see um, Matt and Holly, uh, people we used to work with, as soon as I walked in the door, which is great. I hadn't seen them in a while. Um, And, you know, I I was like, you know, it kind of sparks a little bit of emotion. You're like, eh. And then... I, I sat down and uh, the, I see all these people moving around, doing things. The merch line's so long, whatever. And I kind of went, nah, <laughs> nah, <laughs> fuck it. Not for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> not right now. Uh, I don't think. And there's a, but there's a couple moments that actually did spark my mind again, and we'll get into that. But I told you I had some issues. So, first of all, here's the thing I have, even with the indie shows on the weekend You <laughs> WrestleMania week is different because it's a week, right? You have time to go have lunch You sit down You meet with people You go to, you pick your shows It's kind of like the Vans Warped Tour uh, of, of wrestling only It's across a week So you meet up with your friends You pick your shows You go whatever they, AEW filmed Ring of Honor Before Collision And they did that for an hour Then they did two hours of Collision Then they, then they gave another Then they, after Collision They did another Ring of Honor taping and I'm like, that's a lot to ask of me. I felt in that moment, because um, TV doesn't flow the same as like a pay per view does, right? It's it's very different. So I feel like sitting through three TV tapings. I remember Ring of Honor used to do like six weeks in a day at Ted Reeve, and it would be like s- felt like six seven hours. Um, and I was like, this is not like the crowd is just like, yeah, by the end of it, <laughs> yeah. who? Yeah, whatever. It, could've, it could've could have been fucking Hogan. Them. They'd be like, "Wow." Well. I just feel um, like as a fan, that's just exhausting. It is like we didn't stay for the final Ring of Honor taping and I felt bad, but I, it was like 1030. I'm like, ah, I'm good. And I know that doesn't compel and compare it to when Forbidden Door ended, but. Oh, yeah. Here, yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. So here, here are my gripes. OK, first, um, and then I'll get into things I liked. Number one, uh, no discredit to Dasha Fuentes, but the way they do TV is like really fucked up. So they have a small monitor under the hard cam with the time, which is normal, right? And it, it's so she can look at that monitor and know what time it is. When she's doing the Ring of Honor tapings, before every entrance, she's like, all right, everyone, five, four, three, like she's counting down to the entrance.
0: Yeah, I've seen promotions do that, and it's not just AEW. I feel like for, Impact was doing that too. For every match. Yes. It's weird. It is very weird. It makes me I uncomfortable. Don't get it.
1: Because it makes me feel like I'm being told what to do.
0: Yeah. It's like, and, hey, studio audience, here's the applause sign. Please applaud now. Like you're on kids.
2: Uh-oh back in the day on Yeah, Y-P. exactly,
0: oh, right? Uh-oh was the jam right there. <laughs> you ever see like a kid walk around wearing an Uh-oh shirt? You're like, yeah. Because late like, hockey had a. Yeah.
2: Jim the had a kid on his hockey store. team.
1: Award. Yeah, he wore it like uh, under his hockey gear all the time. You can get to uh oh and video and arcade top 10 shirts. We'll find them. We'll get them to sponsor us. I'll take it. Yeah, man. So, um, that was my one grape. That's weird. The other grape is too, I don't, they don't have a hold on timing. And what I mean by that is like she would frantically be like, okay, everyone. Oh, oh we're back to from commercial in like 30 seconds. Okay. Like, like she's doing crowd work. Then all of a sudden, oh shit, we're coming back from commercial like it, it just seems weird like it was just very like at wwe i never you never have that like they just seamlessly come back from commercial like you just know right so that was that felt yeah, kind but of awkward. start running <laughs> yeah it just felt kind of awkward um in that sense the the show itself was fine um the best match I saw actually for for that night was a Ring of Honor TV taping was Willie Mack and El Desperado. It was really good and a lot of fun. Um, the The main event was what it was, the Punk six-man tag. Uh, the guns are incredible live. Like, they're really good. Um, if they've joined Bullet Club Gold, I think that's the right move because I was like, what the fuck is Bullet Club with two people? <clears throat> <sighs>
0: Man, remember how popular Bullet Club was, and now, now it's, so, like, it's so
1: fucking diluted. But at the same time, you can't yeah. just have Jay White and Juice calling themselves bull They're two people. Like that—that that defeats the whole concept of a, a <laughs> faction. Y'all are a tag team. Yeah, yeah, you're not <laughs> a faction. You're a tag team. Um, and then it was really cool to see Tarek get work on Ring of Honor. Yeah. That was great. It was really cool to see Mark Wheeler get work. Although I was a little disappointed. I messaged them. I'm like, man, they didn't get that sweet Mark Wheeler drop kick in. I said, who do I got to talk to to get a Mark Wheeler dropkick? You on know, this show, but he bumped like a champ and I was proud of him because he did a good job. Tarek got some offense in, which is great. Great to see. Um, and then I actually um, have
0: a story about that match, but I can't tell you on the air. So remind me after the show
1: to tell you and, about that. And then, um, you know, I just. Uh, t- I, Tony Khan is on egregious amounts of cocaine like he has to be he's just like he's always he's just like a squirrel oh, yeah. like okay And um, then um so
0: no, no hold on hold on hold on hold on, hold on. Right. tony Khan. okay before the uh forbidden door show started fuck i don't even know because there was a there's the the zero hour at seven but then before seven they even had pre-show matches like between six and seven there's so many matches anyways i don't remember exactly when tony came out whether it was before the six o'clock matches or before the seven o'clock matches. But at some point Tony Khan came out and God love him. He's he's just so happy to be there, you know? He's just that's the, way, the, I, the best way I've the best way I've heard it described <laughs> is that Tony is just like us when we were kids, but instead of playing with the toys, he's playing with real people. Oh, for <laughs> like, sure. It's the 80s, I mean? like,
1: like Hasbro, the ring, and there's he's just like Raw! Exactly. <laughs> all those hasbro's i got in the shelf dude it's it. he even in the after I, I showed you that clip of it looked like he was lost in the press conference because it was all black and he's just in a black suit with black hair so he just looks a floating head um he, no, was like, I, it's a, I, he, he goes he goes something he I said yeah
0: so something that he said like during like he's like oh man i'm so glad to be back in toronto um i spent a lot of time here my family owns the four seasons it's like fuck man like can you not like just read the room
1: yeah no right? expensive
0: these tickets yeah, are nobody and cares the fact that it's like the most expensive city in the world to live and we're, we can all barely feed ourselves and this motherfucker talking about the four seasons anyways yeah i just thought no, was
1: he, he um he said like you can tell like he's he is it's just his toy thing because he's like uh, i booked the match am i this and i like aew is not we like, he never says, we here at a, it's always I, I, I. So, like, it's clear as day. It's just, it's his passion project, which is like, dude, cool, he bankrolls it. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, until someone else puts up the
0: millions of dollars that he's putting up, he can't really complain.
1: Yeah, like, if you're not contributing into that, that money pool, then, I mean, I guess not, right? Or, like, you're not putting in, like, a significant level of work. Um, but um, I will say... The only other, uh, I guess, uh, thing that I had—I don't remember what it was now. What, yeah, I don't remember what it was. Oh, Forbidden Door. The one gripe I had about that—I don't know okay. if you want to do it during the Forbidden Door chat—but um, the things I did like, I think the collision aesthetic is fantastic. Like the the color scheme. I know it's nitro, but like the stage was great. Um, you know, the what other match did I see that I like... Ooh, the, Tanahashi is... Tanahashi can't move. He busted. That dude uh, is no longer human. Like, he's put together with sticks and tape and whatever. Like I, It was rough watching him um, in there with Swerve. Because I was really like... I was like, oh, we get to watch Tanahashi Swerve. That'll be cool. Was not cool. Was not very good. Um, mismatched opponent types, I think. And it, he, Tanahashi, he, like, he just he moves like Kurt Angle moves today. It's very off-putting. Um, and yeah, that's it. I think Willow Nightingale's a star. Um, who else was? Uh, fuck. I, it, there was so much in in that I can't remember. Oh, like Stew and the Righteous is a really good act. Like I think the whole dynamic between Dark Order and Stew and the Righteous. Like I think, I think that Vinny dude. Does a, a the Bray Wyatt ask thing better than Bray was doing recently?
0: By Vinny, you mean Vincent?
1: Vincent, whatever his <laughs> fucking name is, that guy. Yeah, okay. I, I like that better than how they like. They could have gone that direction with Bray on his return. And it would have been better than what they did. Um, yeah, but it was fun. It was nice to to be back. And I think, um, when we get into f- Forbidden Door talk, which we can, I'll let you kick that off. It's, I'll identify the things that made me want to come back. Okay. But then I had one really big problem with the show that it like sticks out so bad. But we'll, I'll, we'll get to that.
0: So for Forbidden Door, which was the next night, it was uh, the same building on the Sunday. And as I mentioned earlier, it was uh, the doors were at six o'clock, show starts at seven. Well, the pre show starts at seven, and then the pay per view starts at eight o'clock. We were up in a box. So, my experience is probably going to be better than others. And there may be others that think their experience is better, but nevertheless, for me personally, it was probably the best possible experience. Like, I set myself up for success, essentially, (laughs) um, being in the box. When I walked in, our host at the box was saying, Hey guys, welcome in, and like giving us a rundown. She's like, And just so you know, like, the show's going to go to like midnight. And I said, Oh honey, we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I was watching this at home, I wouldn't even tune in until 10 o'clock. Like that's how I treat AEW pay-per-views now. I treat them like they're UFC cards. So I tune in at 10 o'clock. I watch the last two hours and I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't stick around for all these preliminary matches that no one cares about. And boy, did, was there preliminary matches? There was a total of 14 matches on this show. 14 to put that into context. I worked two wrestling events that same day. Two events. Both those events combined had less matches than (laughs) AEW's Forbidden Door. Okay? Now, look. Some people might say, hey, uh, he's giving us more. And more, more, more. More is good. More of... But, man, if... I love pizza. James, Maddie, I don't know about you guys, but I love pizza. But... If someone jammed 14 slices of pizza down my throat, I might just say, you know what? I've had enough pizza. After about four or five slices, I might tap out. That's actually a good question. How many slices of pizza do you think guys can eat? We're talking a large pizza. Let's just say a pepperoni and cheese pizza. Large pizza from a regular establishment. So not like super thick crust or like not super thin crust. A normal crusted pizza, pepperoni and cheese, large pizza. How many slices?
2: What's I mean, the situation?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the Situation is you're watching the Leafs game on a Saturday night hockey night in Canada. There are potentially wings
2: there as well, so maybe you want to leave some room. No, I'm saying like, is it like, did I just do something? Like, did I just like go play hockey and come home eat the pizza? No, you had a them?
0: regular Saturday, okay. Saturday night hockey night in Canada.
2: How many could I, dummy? Yeah, comfortably.
0: Like, obviously, if you're not competitively Ten. eating here. 10. 10 slices comfortably
2: yeah dude without breaking a sweat so
0: the entire fucking pie
2: well no a large pizza is like 12 slices
0: is it 12 i thought it was 10 yeah maybe it's 12
2: okay yeah no well, i 10, could probably 10... house four yeah no i could yeah i could get a feed on and do 10 easy no problem and that's with dip sauce too so okay fine that's actually a fair number then so we'll say 10 james saying four
1: yeah comfortably that's... where i where i probably top out and say i'm good so between the two of you,
0: you may have enjoyed AEW Forbidden Door. That's 14 <laughs> slices of pizza. So what I'm saying is they're giving us twice as much wrestling as we need right now, okay? This is the problem, Tony. And and there's a number of times where I leaned over to my buddies that I was uh, sitting with, and I said, imagine having so much money that you can book Jeff Cobb on a pre-show match that no one's going to give a shit about.
2: So my question with this shit is, though, is like, At what point do, like, why so long? Like, I personally don't get it. Like, is it, because like I said, if for me as a fan of anything, it's the number one thing. Like, yes, I love content. I love getting given a lot of content and shit like that. But at the same time, what I value more is respecting my time. If that content makes sense for my time investment, great, I'm in. But if you're just doing it for being like, this is what we give you, to say you give them lots, but it's not substantial. It's not valuable. I'm like, well, you're just force feeding dick to someone who doesn't want dick.
1: Let, let me put it this way. Indie, some indie shows will have like 10 matches or like nine matches. And what I realized about AEW, and I mean this in the most romantic, you know, nice way. They are an indie with a shit ton of money. Yeah. And, and, that's the, and it's run like an indie show. And 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 like we'll talk more about it again, but very little cohesive direction, very little, you know, I, I was, we talked about this and I, we watch it on TV and I'm like, it feels a little loose. It feels a little directionless. Being there live only corroborates that feeling. Storylines are all over the place. Like, you know, I'm watching Ring of Honor. I'm trying to remember something. I'm watching Ring of Honor. Then it goes into collision things are happening collision is punk feuding with jay white i don't know is ftr like is that a thing that just happened like i don't know you know um punk brought in the bag with the title talking about oh, i was got to take this off me mjf and mjf hasn't responded like it i i don't know that there's anybody there reigning anyone in because i think tony khan is such a fan at heart he almost wants to just be like hey guys happy to be here do your thing you know and sometimes you need someone to be like okay like this is this is where we're going and i feel like it's not it's not there
0: i i would agree i I feel like there's a lot of things and there's been a, and you know what maybe it's because we're not religiously watching the tv anymore but I think it's, I think it's because, because they're there's... trying
1: to be everything to everyone. I think it's they're trying to, you know, they, they sign everybody. They want to retain them all. They want to give everybody a spot. And that's that's super admirable, not sustainable, nor does it no. make sense.
0: Well, one the way... thing that... Go ahead, Matty.
2: Oh, I was going to say, just the way I look at it is with that much, it just seems like you, t- you actively take away from your main event in your main events, because people get so tired that they're just like, all right, just get me through this. And they're not as hyped. They're not as into it. And you're just like, give me the fuck home. That's 100%
0: how I felt by the main event. Because the main event, we probably hit the ring at 1130. Now, I know my situation was unique to me in that I had, before the show even started, before this 14 match card even started, I had already seen 13 wrestling matches that day. So I understand that's unique to me. But How many at the same DDT's time,
2: did you see in a day? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but at the same time, there's like people have lives and there's things that they did Saturday night and they may have been up late Saturday night and then they're getting up Sunday morning because they have kids or they have you no know, other responsibilities. Anyways, the point is, it's really it's asking a lot of people on a Sunday who have to go to work the next day Oh,
2: on a fucking Sunday too! fuck it's that a Sunday they- night
0: to sit and make them sit there and watch five hours of wrestling. It's it's a lot to ask.
2: Yo, we argue about times we're gonna record this podcast because I'm like, yo, nine thirty, I want to go to bed, <laughs> boys. Like, but it's the same. Off.
1: It's the same. We were walking out, and we we're like, should we stay for Ring of Honor? And they're like, the Ring of Honor champion will be in action. And I'm like, well, Claudio's good, but like, I want to go home. And it's unfair to those guys to put them on after we just, right. you know, everyone spent their energy cheer, booing Punk. It's not, you know, you're, you're as you're a, you're setting those guys up to fail. And B, you're asking a lot from the crowd to to st- like Tony came out. He's like, Stick around, we've got more great matches. And I'm like, Fuck, Tony, like, sit down. Like, I want to go home.
2: He strikes me as that dude who's like that friend where you're just like, All right, cool, thanks for that. I'm gonna go home. He's like, Wait, wait, guys, I also got this. I got this. Just, yeah. just stay.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. That's exactly what it's like. 100%. Guys, I haven't even brought out the Cheetos. Yeah. This this,
2: this, this, dude, I I made homemade ceviche. (laughs) uh,
0: One of my favorite Jim Cornette lines, um, and it's very appropriate. He would always say, if you have a wrestling company full of seven feet, seven foot tall guys, like everyone's seven feet tall, you have no giants in your (laughs) company because everyone's huge. With AEW, I look at it similarly in that every person on this card had some sort of championship belt, yeah. So if everyone has a belt, you have no champions. None of this means anything to me because I don't know if Mogul Empire M- Mogul Embassy had something. I think they had some like Ring of Honor t- six man tag titles or some shit like that. Yeah, they have the Ring of and Honor then, six man. And that was like a dark match. And then Athena versus Billy Starks, and Athena had like the Ring of Honor Women's Championship. Phantasma and Grayson had nothing. Um. United Empire may have had something I don't know. But then the first match on the card is MGF versus Tanahashi. I've already seen two yeah, championship TJ, matches. TJP now
1: has the um the junior. Oh, okay.
0: So there you go. TJP has some belt. Didn't and we that, though, with, belt
1: with WWE saying just
2: it's like similar where it's just too many titles that you're just like whatever. But,
1: but yeah, now it, they look just, like dude, they have much. they have nothing in comparison to AEW and when they pair with New Japan. With New Japan does the same thing. They've got uh stuff for the u.s stuff for tv it's kind of a disaster it's a little all over by the way uh one other shout out shout out daniel garcia i saw him in the in the front parking lot of uh the arena and he didn't like i was like danny and he's like i gotta go i gotta go i was like james you fucking sell me out and he went oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) hi james he's like message me i gotta run (laughs) i guess he had to be somewhere but he didn't see me i guess it was dark but it's great to see how far that dude's come
0: yeah he's he's awesome but, it, and so speaking of his match, Zack Sabre Jr. has the belt. He's the only one without one. <laughs> and Orange Cassie had a belt. And then you go to the next match, it was Sonata, who's Dude, the Dude, you forgot, champion. no, Shibata had a belt. Shibata had a belt, too?
1: He's the All pure champion.
0: ring of honor pure champion. God damn it. Stop saying, like, everyone has a belt. Like, what is this? And then there was, um... So, what made me laugh so hard, and, like, this is what... This is what kills me sometimes, where I feel like I... I feel like Tony just needs help. And I don't know if like no one's giving him help or he's refusing help. But these are things that someone who has a lot of experience in wrestling, like or, me, Tony, you can call me and I can help you.
1: Or dude, it's cushy for the guys. Why why try and help him? You gotta get you get paid, you get to do whatever you want. Yeah. Fuck it. Where
0: so they did the thing with so Sonata had a match with Jack Perry and no one gives a fuck about Jack Perry. And they finally they turned him so great, like they need to do something different with him. I'm in favor of that. but So he just lost the IWGP championship match. A match he should not have been in to begin with, but whatever. He lost that match. And then he jumps his friend and wants to challenge his friend for a fake championship. That he then throws down the ramp. Not only does everyone have a belt, we're also now saying that Jack Perry really badly wants the fake belt that Hook has that he just threw down doing? the ramp. Right. What are we doing? What why? Like the logic so, does,
1: okay. Just, so doesn't Okay. So let's talk out. logic. So let's talk logic. Here's where the moment where they probably lost me for the entire night. And I know it was late in the evening, but Don uh Kenny Omega will Osprey was incredible. It was very good. Tiger Driver hey, 91. Yeah, man, I mean, should never happen. Jesus Christ. I thought he died. Should never happen. That, like that shouldn't it's, it's not needed um, like to be honest it, the only thing it added to that match was us now going probably didn't have to do that um, Don Callis getting thrown out and then Don Callis coming back and it not being a disqualification and getting involved and there's still no consequences blows my mind
0: well okay so here's the thing
1: like why like it's the same ref like why is this ref all of a sudden like, you know what? It's okay. Chill.
0: This is a, a battle I've been fighting in professional wrestling for as long as I've been in it in that rules don't get enforced the way they should. So much so. Have you ever watched a House of Black match recently? No, but James? dude,
1: I understand. Hold on, hold on. Have, you seen
0: it? have you seen a House of Black match recently? Yes. Where they have their list of rules. And yep. one of their list of rules is disqualification is enforced like it fucking should be in every goddamn match but that's not what they do in AEW so
1: when Don Callis came back out I'm like whatever it's fucking AEW like there's no disqualification but here's every the thing. match is how I look at it I understand that sometimes rules are overlooked to facilitate something in a match right I get that this has legitimate consequences like visible tangible you know like it in that sense it shouldn't send somebody else out oh i agree no no, i'm with S- you james like, send hi. Cobb and tjp send somebody else send kyle fletcher out send somebody else out it okay. it just doesn't so have one of the security guards have done it the two guys who are standing there doing nothing the whole time do who i thought Those were guys? brad myers because they were bald and then i messaged brad i was like is that you he's like no and i'm like i'm profiling people based on their hair um or lack thereof um, but um no so
0: he- I'm with you, and I want to also reference the fact that WWE did something very similar to WrestleMania, where Solo got kicked out, and then the finish was Solo coming back and whatever. But but the ref was out. Yeah, yeah. So they did a little bit better, but it's still lazy. I think it's incredibly lazy. If you're going to kick the guy, out... it's incredibly
1: lazy. You need to have something else happen. But here's the thing: around
0: getting kicked out, I was sitting there.
1: I was sitting there going. If I had been the agent of that match, or if I had been one of the like content people for that match, I would have sat down and been like, "Okay, this doesn't make sense." Like, one and not one of the things we happened. can overlook. Like to me, that's something you can't overlook.
0: This it's actually a very simple solution, James. You either a like you laid out either the security guys that he brought out who just stood there for no reason, either you make them do something. Or you send out Cobb and whomever else, or you just don't fucking throw them out in the first place.
1: That so that was my thing, right? You don't throw them out until right. after. Oh, <laughs> <Well, laughs> The easy solution it's, is it's the security. The, guards, up as we go. the security guards get involved. Callus sneaks in over the ramp, and then ducks back out over the ramp. Is
0: yeah, it's just, but
1: they wanted that. I think they wanted that image of Callus being out there with Will. When he wins But then Don't throw him out Don't throw him out That's it Yeah It's not hard Don't throw him out Also The other thing That doesn't make sense either Is that You have Like Don And these two security guards And Will And like Kenny has all these friends On this show Nobody cares to give Kenny a hand Like nobody He was all all I got friends In other company These guys come in He knows all the Japanese dudes Because he worked in New Japan Forever Nobody gives a shit To come help him like the oh, maybe that's, that's the why elite, no
0: one helped him. They all know him.
1: <laughs> the, elite, the elite, no one's there. Uh, like they're all like we're the elite. We're not. We're just not going to come help you. Um, but the, the other things that I will say that, uh, Annika, we should probably move through this real quick. That AEW does well. That I will say, like fucking WWE just doesn't get the the splurging for licensed music to create yeah. moments for people or to create engagement is more than worth the, I think whatever you pay for it. Like the, you know, I, I WWE shows, I sit there and I go, that was good. I don't have any like memory of like, Hey, I love doing this or I love doing that involving the audience this way where, you know, they don't have to go into business for themselves with stupid chance. But it still allows them to be part of the show. Like I'd never been part of uh, the Judas gimmick. Live obviously, so to be third row while people are doing the whole Judas thing and they cut the music and people keep going is actually really fucking cool. Um, the Bucks and and Hangman coming out to Kansas is fucking awesome, like that's really cool. It suits them oddly, but it's it's really fucking cool. Uh, Daniel or Brian Danielson getting final countdown, which apparently he didn't know till they hit the music. Uh, he said in the press conference that no one told him he was getting Final Countdown, um, which is why he looks so jacked coming down the ramp. Um, But that's the... If WWE could get over themselves, they would create engaging crowd moments because the music they create right now doesn't allow for it. Uh, You need something that everyone can relate to. And I think, you know, Cult of Personality, Kansas, uh, Judas is not licensed because it's Chris's, but those things are I I think it's important
0: it's um we should give Tony credit for that because the only reason that happened is because he's such a huge fan right and like he was a fan of Danielson and his run in Ring of Honor and he knows what that song was to the Ring of Honor fans who were there at the time and how that would resonate with them so
1: yeah like Missouri or whatever for Punk's thing was great um yeah
0: he's, he's done it a number of times now actually come to think of it
1: you know and it, it makes me think back to ecw with sandman and even tommy dreamer like when or fucking raven with offspring like all of this stuff because it was so relatable and it was part of like it, it bridges culture
0: right but the difference there is that paul heyman didn't pay a single dime for any of that music <laughs> whereas <laughs> tony's actually doing this properly so no. um one other thing so i we have to sound overly negative. I I do want to say that I enjoyed the hell out of some of the matches. For like, yeah, even though we were uh, saying a lot of things that you know we were saying a lot about Osprey and Omega, it's still a fucking great match. Like no, that so, was incredible. Four and a half and stars.
1: Five. It was in the Tokyo Dome.
0: That was. Um, and I'm not even an Omega guy. I don't, like. I should, I say I'm not an Omega guy because I. Like wrestling when it's serious and it's um like it looks like two guys are trying to win a match and not trying to just jerk off middle of the ring. The fact that Omega is nowhere at least for this match, was removed from the Young Bucks, removed from the elites, because we're fucking nerds, we're the elite, remove him from those nerds, and he came out to his old uh New Japan music, the cleaner, he was serious, he wanted to win a fight. I'm like, this is this is what professional wrestling is supposed to be, guys. It is two guys who don't like each other. They want to fight. They have a reason to fight. And we, we care to see the winner of the fight. And when you present it like that, it's so much better. And, man, that crowd was so into it. It was one of the best matches I've probably ever seen in my life. That's it great. was amazing. Um, Let's dial back to that uh, 10-man tag. One thing I don't know if you noticed. Um, I had was the 10 man he has a 10 man with the nerds and uh eddie kingston and ishii against black bull combat club and then uh, takeshka and then some guy um i looked over at one of my buddies at one point i'm like did no one tell them that they're all wearing fucking black (laughs) the one guy i have no idea who's on whose team they're just all just fighting shit i'm like okay like i'm just i'm gonna get a beer like i I I don't care. but
1: i will say takeshka is a star that guy's fucking awesome sure
0: I'm just saying, if you're gonna do a ten-man nonsense, can one team wear blue? Can one team wear red? Imagine watching a baseball game, and
1: dude, Matt, you, you would have, know this. What was that game where both white? teams wore like similar colors? There was a hockey game recently, or was it baseball or football? Uh, There's okay. A sport where
0: oh man, okay, uh, fan control football league. I don't know if you guys remember this. First season of fan control football. Maybe that's football it. League. They both wore white. They, no, there was, so the team I was rooting for was the wild aces and their, uh, jerseys were blue gradient that goes down to pink and they were playing. I don't remember the name of the team, but their Jersey was blue gradient down to red. So blue gradient down to pink was running the ball and blue gradient <laughs> running down to pink tackled him because he didn't know he was on his team. He's like, Oh shit, my bad. <laughs>
2: oh, that's brutal.
0: So yeah it's not hard to color coordinate guys that's that's all i ask Anyways. i know there's
2: there's been situations in the nhl where like teams accidentally are both wearing the dark jersey um or like don't whatever and so warm up they're both wearing darks and then one team has to go back and change
1: yeah i think that was I, yeah i think i think there was a situation where they were both darks and i think it looked too close and it was just like i was watching i'm like this is not good
0: yeah let's actually put a pin in that jersey conversation because that's a story that came out last week that i forgot to put on the uh the list and we can go through that pretty quickly um also quickly i just want to say the show was fun i really enjoyed forbidden door um i wish it was three hours shorter than it actually was but uh, this is the world we live in so i enjoyed some things didn't like some things but overall a very fun episode and episode <laughs> a very fun, yeah, episode of uh, Forbidden Door. <laughs> Tune in next week on Forbidden Door. <laughs> I must also tell you that this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games, sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram, send a DM. 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S.ca or .com. And remember, go to nowyourtreasures Treasures on Instagram. Send them a DM, 43.6 to receive 43% off any any order. I'm pretty sure that's why I said the next episode of <laughs> Forbidden Door because I was half reading the uh, ad read while I was saying that sentence, and I think that word has jumped in there. Um, I did talk. want to put a pin in that Jersey conversation because that came out last week. There's an interview with Gary Bettman where he said, I, "Actually, I shouldn't say it was Gary Bettman. I don't think it was. I don't know if it was Gary Bettman for sure. I think it was, but doesn't matter." The NHL has said no one is wearing a special practice warm up sweater this coming season. So, a lot of people ran with that uh quote because they thought it was pride related, and maybe it is. Um that because there is a uh, backlash from certain players and I should say teams. There are certain players, uh the Stahl brothers specifically, and uh, other Russian players that did not want to wear anything pride related period. And instead of saying no fuck you the NHL has said you know what fuck it we're not going to support pride at all anymore um, which is not exactly true they're just saying they're not going to wear the, the sweaters uh, but also means they're not going to be wearing any of the camo sweaters that they used to wear for military nights or whatever the fuck they're not going to be wearing any of the purple sweaters for hockey fights cancer and I imagine the there was sweater. probably the indigenous ones as well I guess they're not doing that um, I want to get your opinion on this, but before that, I just want to throw this out there. I'm just gonna put this out in the world, and maybe this is actually what's happening. We know that the new fanatics deal is coming this year. And Fanatics has already made it abundantly clear to the NHL that hey, we can't we don't have the capacity for this. So NHL teams were told for the next I think they said two or three years. No one gets a Jersey change. Like y'all get what you have right now. Like we have those logos and we have that material and we have like, we're, we'll we'll produce that. And if you guys want to introduce a third sweater two years from now, that's fine. But we need to get up to speed before we start doing anything more. Do you think it has more to do with that? Or do you think it has more to do with the backlash from pride, et cetera?
2: I think it's the backlash from pride. Um, because they've already said that the jerseys will be made and sold, and that proceeds will go to the various causes. So they will exist in some capacity. It's just and the initiatives are still going to go on throughout the league, and whether it's in-game promotions or game day things. But from what I last read, was the only change is that there's going to be no warm-up jerseys for any of the nights.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean if you if if your beliefs go so far as to be the sweater is the tipping point, then I don't think you're in it for the right reasons. Do you know what I mean? Like I under I can understand where the league and Bettman like Bettman said it's because it's a distraction. I don't I'm gonna think highly of Gary Beman in this scenario, and I'm gonna take the stance that he means distracting from the message. Uh, I don't think he's meaning distracting from the game. I don't think he's meaning distracting from whatever. I think in these instances where there are polarizing opinions, you're now, and I'm not saying discourse is a bad thing, but I also don't think, you know, perpetuating the negative discourse is a good thing either. So maybe it's just one of those things where, you know, and like I said, it's not exclusive to pride. Like you said, it's all of these instances. Maybe it's more important just to focus on the message and don't have the message contingent on whether player X, Y or Z wears the jersey in warmups. So I actually don't mind the move if it's from that perspective. Am I making sense? I yeah. I look at it I look at it as you're not
2: giving the I guess I don't want to say dissenters, but I guess you're not giving the bigots and the haters a platform because it's the second it's the jersey exists, and they're saying, "Well, I'm not going to wear it," and they stand out, and you're giving them instant, I guess, platform and focus and attention. Right.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what I meant by so, distraction, right? Like it, yeah. it actually takes away from the message when you have to talk about and you give credence to guys like Provorov or the Stalls saying, "I'm not going to do it," you know. So it's, I don't know, Dustin. I know you have strong opinions of usually course. on this stuff. Sorry. Ever worn a Pride shirt? We talked
2: about. (laughs) And then, like the the the, Curb Your Enthusiasm music with him in
1: Montreal, fantastic. Chef's kiss. But yeah, I know you have uh, usually pretty strong opinions on these things. I'd be interested.
0: Uh, It's just every week I I I feel like I have another reason to go back to that Steve Dangle quote of saying the NHL is not a real league. And I feel like this is another example of them just doing NHL things. Um, I wanted to believe that it's because of fanatics not having the ability to do it, but given what Maddie was saying, I, I don't think that's actually the case. <laughs> instead, they are producing them, anyways. Um, it's just, it just seems stupid. Like you're you're giving in, and this is the wrong direction. Like yeah. and so, instead, so, so, because it's not just about the pride thing.
1: No, I get it, then, but maybe sometimes it's a step back to take steps forward, right? Like, maybe it's, you know, let's make sure that we get the the celebration nights correct. Let's make sure we get the message across that route. And like I said, I just... If the message is hinged on a jersey, then the message isn't strong enough anyway.
0: I Okay, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. But given... The idea of let's take a step back to take a step forward. Could you see the NHL doing something like, you know, they have a purple jersey for hockey fights cancer? What if they did like a yellow jersey of like, I don't know, we, we, uh, hockey is for everyone type of thing. So it's not, it's not rainbow, it's not pride, but it is a specific different jersey that doesn't have a pride flag on it, but it says, hockey cares i don't know you know what i mean like <laughs> I just think the, human, the human fund
1: <laughs> yeah right exactly it's just gary bettman handing out cards at christmas
2: yeah. here you go just discussing them out to the crowd yeah, there you go.
1: Every, there's one on everyone's seat <laughs> a donation has made your name to the human fund
2: so here's, here's the Sportsnet article and just it kind of caps off at the end saying, Batman confirmed Pride jerseys will continue to be designed and sold and players who choose to model them are free to do so. Okay. So yeah, like the jersey will be made. But no, I, I see your point where it's just like a special jersey that it says hockey's for everyone. Um, This is the kind of comedic side of it to me is... The, knowing the NHL's dumbass, it'll be a white or black jersey. And it just reminds me of in high school, we had this group called Cure, and it was an acronym. God, and man. it was K U R E, and it stood for Kids Understanding Respect Everywhere. And they had hoodies, and the hoodies were black and white. But their slogan was, We don't just see in black, or what? Well, it was something of like, Yeah. We don't, we don't just don't see them just, black and white.
1: Yeah, but, but, their, and white. These,
2: but their hoodies were black and white, or something like we uh, we see all colors, or something like that. But their hoodies were black and white, and it was like the biggest joke around the school yeah. for a while. But
1: I don't, I don't know. I think like there's so many things. Okay, Dustin, look at it this way: there are so many things wrong inherently with the NHL from the the pride stuff this year to. Racism, right? They like We still haven't found the report from Akeem Aliyu that was supposed to be released in the NHL. That's still floating in the ether that was supposed to have some sort of release or, or comment or nothing. The NHL has floated over that one. Uh, there's Kyle Beach and the sexual abuse issues and Joel Quinville. There are so many problems that...
0: People were legitimately saying that Joel Quinville should be you know, the next head coach to Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: No, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No, like, but was... I'm saying
0: like that was the conversation when you know this whole tornado not, that right. happened through the lease and I'm not discounting
1: right? the pride message, and I'm not discounting the military message, and I'm not discounting the indigenous message. What I'm saying is there's a lot of fucking issues in this league. Please, don't let it live and die on the fucking jersey. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, don't, don't, like, don't bail on the NHL and the message because of the jersey like then that's when they win. Right? If you bail on the message because they're not doing the jerseys and you bail on the NHL because they're not doing the jerseys, then the guys who want their old ass white boy NHL get it. Right? You have to you have to hold strong with the message without the jersey for it to be successful. And I think that's what I would say to take away from this. Like don't don't hinge it on that because then they've won.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah. Am, I, I, I'm I with you on that. I don't want to make the transition to um, <laughs> the Grady Dick and the way we've been uh, <laughs> hilariously talking about his last name. So we'll just have to say that the Toronto Raptors made their first overall, or first overall, their first round selection this past week in the NBA draft. And they t- selected Grady Dick from the Kansas Jayhawks. And Dick is a six-foot-seven guard, which I'm very happy to hear, who, based on the information that has been presented to me, can shoot the lights out, which sounds delightful for this Raptors team. Based on what I saw during the draft is that he seems like a dude with some personality, which is awesome. The Raptors badly need somebody they can market, right? I understand that Scotty Barnes is a great player. He's not really like a guy you can put at the forefront and say this is our guy. Before that, like even Kawhi was a very reserved kind of guy, right? Like, he used to say he was a fun guy, but
1: he's actually a very like introverted kind of guy. <laughs> Kyle <laughs> very... Kyle was probably the best right. Marketable dude that we had, like good with the mic, outspoken.
0: Right, but Kyle was, and no disrespect to Kyle Lowry, but Kyle was an underdog story, right? Like he was, so he's not like a franchise. I mean, again, no disrespect to Kyle. I'm not saying he's not a franchise player. He's just, he's not seen as one of the top guys in the NBA. I think it's fair to say. I don't know if the Raptors have had that guy as a marketable star since Vince Carter. I don't know if you can say Chris Bosh. Probably not. So... And I don't know if this kid will ever be that. I don't want to put that on his shoulders. It'd be like, yeah, all right, we found the new Vince Carter. It's like yeah. what they did to Luke Shen with the Maple Leafs, where the second the guy got drafted, they're time to put the C on a sweater. Yeah,
1: it's Wendell Clark on defense.
0: I I just think that he seems like a guy who's really gonna fit in into the city. I think he's going to be exactly what they need. But now it's now it's what you put around these guys. Okay, you yeah. got you got Dick and you got Barnes. Now what?
1: It's, uh, so he's the best shooter in the draft, and the Raptors definitely drafted for need because, man, can they not shoot. The kid's saying all the right things. He references Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. You know, he talks about athleticism, knowing he has to run the floor and look for open space. So the guy knows what his job's going to be. Full disclosure, and they talked about this on the broadcast, he is not an elite defender. Uh, he doesn't move uh, in transition, like in uh, half court defense, very well. Like when the ball starts moving, you know, he's not very good at that. So I imagine he'll be more of a perimeter defender, which is fine being a guard at 6 7. Maybe he can defend the odd three. Um, but at the end of the day, you know they need to re- re- with new coach and everything they need to reimagine this team the team's not going to be playing the same style of offense the days of iso are dead thank fucking god and you know i think he's i think he fits into the reimagining of of what this team will be uh, like along with Scar the Scotty they they need a, a facilitator still badly they don't have one um you know, Marquise Noel is a point guard, but and he's really short. The dude's 5'7". Uh, he was their other draft pick. Monkey um, <laughs> And uh, he, he can make a good, solid backup point guard, I think. They still need someone to run the floor. And I don't know, because for all intents and purposes, I, I just don't see Fred coming back. Um, Man, I, I was
0: watching like an ESPN hit the other day, and they're they're saying Fred's getting thirty five on the open market. So. Houston or Orlando? Houston is what they were suggesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which is uh, which is wild. Um, I don't. The, the other thing about uh, Grady Dick too is they were talking on they were talking to the kid on Overdrive today, and he said something that really stuck with me, and I thought was really cool they were talking about his social media presence and how he likes to have a good time and whatever. And he said, you know, I do, I love doing the social media thing. I like that it's organic. I don't wake up thinking I got to post four things today. But then he said, I also understand its implications and I know when it's time to do be goofy and silly and when it's time to lock it in. Really cool to hear a young kid say that coming into the NBA, coming into this team that we cheer for, knowing that he's already has perspective of like, there's going to be times where I got to shut that shit off. Because some guys don't have that ability. Zion. Half the last yeah, roster. It,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: well, yes and no. Like, some of them are forced to. Um, but no, he's just, I guess it's just something different. Especially where, in, especially in this city, you have all of your top athletes are so heavily trained to be like cardboard and rice cakes and bland that to see a dude with some flavor and some style and a little bit of cachet and how he carries
1: himself, I'm good with it. You say flavor? Flavor, flavor. No, I mean, are you saying dick has flavor?
0: Oh boy. It's not going to stop until this guy gets... (laughs) It'll, it's those guys out of the nba this is yeah. gonna be
1: a thing <laughs> it'll it'll wear itself out huh?
2: hey, they're gonna retire his jersey just for the name like you're to wear that
1: dick out i'm telling you
2: yeah. Oh, that yeah
1: dicks rise into the rafters
2: could you imagine if you know i i'm not i'm not even gonna get into it so
1: <laughs> dick for
2: three but, and,
0: <laughs> i just can't wait to see the signs in the crowd just people holding up the sign it just says dick
2: yeah <laughs> Right, you're gonna you're gonna have some broaders you like, I love Dick, but um, or he makes the shot no, that it, wins the title.
1: Dick, Dick, yeah. Dick, Dick, Dick.
2: That'll be great. You know, or the, some of the post game interviews, guys be like, yeah, you know, he really carried us. We really rode Dick hard today. You know, uh, <laughs> oh, it was a good okay. game, good team effort. It, it, but, Dick
1: was right in there, penetrating. Dick was
2: penetrating. Yeah. yeah, he was penetrating. That's gonna be the one. It's gonna be like <laughs> Jack. On the call, just yeah, they're getting in the post penetrating. Oh, yeah, baby. But, um, <laughs> that, was good. that was a good, good, uh, I, as, yeah. we, as I digress, um, I just, I, like I said, as I think the dude's got a good head on his shoulders, he knows his strengths and weaknesses. He's, you know, he knows he's, he's coming in here. Playing a role that the team doesn't have, but he knows it's not instantly given to him.
1: So, yeah, you said it's a different look from a personality perspective, but you're right. It's a different look from what the team has. I don't like who is the last pure shooter that this team had. Wait, like, was it fucking Jason Capono? Like is that the last one? Who's the Italian dude? Instead of like Matt Thomas. Andrea Bargnani, Bargnani. Primo yeah. Pasta?
2: No, the other Italian dude. Or was he Spanish? Jorge Garbosa. Jose? No, Jose Calderon. Oh. Jose Calderon.
1: Yeah. Can't we about the Garbosa before Calderon?
2: <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, but he's
1: not. He wasn't even the same style as she Like, like we're talking. This guy was definitely brought up and gamed in the Steph Curry created NBA, right? Like Curry revitalized. It's,
0: right, but with that respect, it's hard to think of anyone from the Raptors' past who came up like that because there hasn't been that. Like This is the new generation of the NBA that we're starting to see now, right?
2: Yeah. I just want them to bring back the old NBA short shorts where it's like the short shorts, the heavy jersey tuck, and the guy shooting threes all day or jacking the ball up and, you know, bring it back. But, dick in
1: short shorts. Gotcha. <laughs>
0: yeah, Matt just loves dick in short shorts.
2: <laughs> what can I say? It's why I wake up in the morning. But... uh <laughs> It's like I said, it's just, I know people are getting on this pick just being like, oh, it's, you know, not what it's not because there's, I'm trying to think of how to say this properly. It wasn't it's best not the player ava- pick. It wasn't best yeah. player available. Yeah, exactly. And then people, I guess, hounded them for the pick. And also what pisses me off is the people who are like, oh, great. Look at this fucking guy's jacket. Like, what do you fucking care what the guy's wearing on draft night? But well, people were
0: mad about the jacket?
2: I thought it was stellar.
0: That was an awesome I think, jacket.
1: Yeah. I think people were just like, oh, like this guy's loud. And I think it, like some people took it as obnoxious. And to be honest, I think some people were still bummed because I think they thought there was a very real... And I guess this leads nicely maybe into the next thing. There's a very real opportunity that Siakam was going to be dealt to the Blazers for the third pick and we would get one of Miller or Henderson. But obviously that didn't go down. And I don't know if, if you want to reference the reports, but...
0: Yeah, so apparently what has, and I think there's a lot of just questions as, as to like what the Raptors are doing. And uh, we've talked about on this show, like they need to make a stand of what are you next year? Because if Fred is gone and you're you're running with OG and, and Barnes and Siakam, like I don't know if this is it anymore, guys. It might be time to just rebuild. And one way to do that, is to start trading guys away. So you don't have a situation like Fred VanVleet, who's walking away for nothing right now. Now, also reports are that Gary Trent is going to be accepting his player option. I didn't think that was going to happen. So Gary Trent uh, should be coming back next year. Nevertheless, Gary Trent hasn't been used as a a top five guy anyways. So it's not like he's a six-man at best, right? But he could be six-man Yeah, He could be. No, I'm not trying to say he's not a good player. And I mean, given that Fred is gone, maybe... Gary gets a whole lot more playing time. He's a top five guy now from the Raptors the way it is. Maybe. But the reports uh, from Chris Haynes on Twitter, who is, I think he's a, he's with the, he's with uh, the NBA, isn't he? He's a senior NBA insider for TNT. Well, there you go. And Bleacher Report. Says there's growing sediment that Toronto Raptors' Pascal Siakam, who's on an expiring deal, which again, fuck's sake, don't let this happen in the same way it happened with Van Vliet who's on an expiring deal would not re-sign with a team who attempts to trade for him. And his preference is to remain with the Raptors. So what he's saying is, as we're suggesting that the Raptors need to move on from Siakam because they don't want him to walk away for nothing. He's now telling the Raptors supposedly, according to this report that if y'all trade me, I am not going to re-sign with whoever you trade me. So that instantly brings his value down. So no matter what he is basically saying, I'm going to free agency at the end of next year. And if you intend on trading me, I'm going to make it as difficult for you as possible. (laughs) Because, And now his heart's in the right place, though, because he's saying, like, I don't want you to trade me because I want to stay here. And if you do trade me, I'm not going to re-sign with that team because I want to play in Toronto. So he's intentionally ruining his trade value so he can stay in the team. It's a very interesting way of doing things, right? It's yeah. It's almost it's, like you're saying, I love you, but I'm going to punch you. Like, Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> How are you doing that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you leave, I'm going to pick you in the nuts. Um, it's unfortunate because we always, and the three guys on the show will be the first to tell you, we always say we want guys that want to be here. But the Raptors created this situation by having three dudes that bring you the same uh you know stretch wingman and the way that they're going to play i don't know if siakam can fit into that i i don't know and i think that when you reference like what are they what are they going to be i don't know that what they end up being will be conducive to a player like siakam on this team i just don't i think there's going to be a lot of ball movement I think there's going to be a lot of motion. I think there's going to be a lot of, um, I think they call them reverse screens, or backdoor screens. Like there's going to be a different way of looking at things that I just don't think he's built for. And you know his length and the way he, like he's built for ISO because I think he's longer than most people. I mean he's not the ball handling skills, but you know he can back some people down and put those floaters in from just inside the top of the key but it's they it's such a tough position because like you said he's not going to sign with you whoever you trade him to which means whoever gets him is getting a rental which drives his value down you could say well then you're going to sign for dirt cheap here but then he might just sign somewhere else in free agency and dick you over in general so I don't know what the solution is here because I don't know that you need to give this man oodles of noodles of money but at the same time like they're caught in the most mediocre shitty situation reminiscent of the Flames actually only the players in the Flames were way more respectful to the overall organization than I guess not anymore (laughs) not anymore but they're all asking it but no
2: it's I just feel like if you're, if you're Siak, I'm sure you can have your desire to want to stay with the team and, and kind of, you know, voice that, but at the same time, it's, if you know that your place on this team is no longer have any kind of visibility on it and they're transitioning out and they're like, Hey, you know, yeah, you're, you're a great player and you know, but we just don't see you fit in our system. Like, why would you even want to stay? Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. I just think that whole mentality of forcing teams into kind of positions like that is just so, it's just such a bad look.
1: Yeah, I think like you want those situations where player wants team and team wants player, right? Right. And if you're holding a team hostage, like are they going to invest in you the same way? Like, it doesn't create that synergy or harmony that I think you need. For a successful team to have these weird relationships
2: internally, or, or if there's a guy that should be taking a next step and getting the ball and getting those minutes and things like that, but Pascal's actively the one saying no, I'm not going and I'm gonna stay. And it's like, well, you're paying him all this money, you have got to play him. You know, that's also gonna create resentment with other players on the team and the guys who, you know, been told they're gonna get more looks and more touches and more minutes and things like that, but now aren't because he's. And you, you think guys will be professionals about it, but sports is all emotion, right? So I doubt that's the case, especially in the NBA. None of these guys are, let's be honest, really heavy team-focused guys first, right? So I I don't know, it pisses me off. It's the whole Matt Sundin thing again.
0: Actually, that's a very similar.
2: I was, yeah. I was
0: actually going to say that too, but here's the difference though. Sundin didn't win a championship here. So, you, you like Siakam? It's look, man, I know you want to stay, but we're going a different direction. You've done it. Like, we won a championship here. We accomplished what we were set out to accomplish. Now it's just a matter of selling off the parts and starting over again. And that's a cycle of sports. And unfortunately, you're a part of the back end of the cycle. But hey, man, like, you, you succeeded here.
2: Yeah. He's in the fortunate position that he it's not like the team lacked success and they were like, all right, we got to retool, rebuild, move on. You're right. He, he gets, he gets the dream scenario of having one with this team that he wants to be with still, but understanding that they're transitioning away from him and they could probably put him in a situation where he's going to be competitive to potentially win another title somewhere else. Right, because a team getting the services of a Pascal Siakam that are willing to give up of anything of need the Raptors would want whether it's picks or young players or anything like that is going to be a team that's ready to compete now so if you're Siakam this is your chance to
1: chase another ring right yeah or a team that's on the precipice of, of beginning to contend like the Blazers could have been um but I think they would they're they're going to go in a different direction. So I mean, I don't even like to be honest, I don't know where he would even fit at this point in terms of the NBA. Like I don't know which team makes sense for a guy like Siakam at this point. But I, I just don't I don't see it working here long term. And you know, if Grady Dick is not the best at, you know, the defense side of things, that makes me less inclined to trade a guy like OG. Yeah, I, I would want to keep an OG for his defensive prowess, you know. So, and I'd want to find a way to sign Yakub Purdo back for his intangibles, and then again, it kind of leaves Siakam as the odd man out, right? So, because like, that front honestly, court, that front court's full. Like to me, you're looking at if you bring Yak back, Yak back, you're getting. Oh, you ever have a Yak back in your kit? Yes, oh, we, we did. Many a
2: Yak back. We had Maybe the a, the, yeah. the one, the simple one and also the advanced one.
1: That I really think mine good.
0: had like mine was SFX, like had sound effects and shit. Yeah. Sure.
1: That's the advanced one. Oh yeah. A, Remember Talkboy? Home Alone? Um watch. So that front court's gonna look like Purtle it should be Purtle, Scotty, and OG. Yeah. Right? And then your back, then court, your back is, court is Dick and I, Trent. I get well yeah, I I mean is Trent going to carry the ball of the floor? Can he facilitate? I don't know. I mean, they could try it. No.
0: I mean, sure.
1: But I think he's better suited and, to be 6th man of the year. Like I really do. I think he could be 6th man oh, of the no, year. Oh, no, I agree.
0: But I'm saying like you put Pascal into that mix, however you want to do it, whether you take out OG or you take out uh Potal or you take out uh Barnes.
1: But is one that of those a, one of those guys has to sit. And Scotty and OG are well, That's Dunson. What I'm saying
0: well, you have to take one of those three out to put Siakam in, and maybe you don't re-sign Jakob. That might be what the solution is. No, I
1: don't think it is because he him does the things that's.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not saying I want this. I'm just saying that's where I can see them going with this. And if that is what happens, is that team a playoff team? No, because you, so.
1: you need you need to crash and bang on the inside and grab rebounds and defend like Siakam especially can't do you those got a
2: shooter, especially if you're transitioning a more shooter style team you yes, need a guy you, in the post
1: yeah you need someone to, to be able to eat up any of those you know, misses so you can create those second chance scoring opportunities so you know you're right actually you're, you're 100% right and I didn't even think about that until you said it Pirtle's necessary after drafting Grady, drafting Grady Dick I would say like, you need those two to go hand in hand
2: which you would assume that the Raptors are probably going to try and draft or not draft, sign more shooters, more guys to move the ball. That I think you have
1: to in in yeah. uh, in uh, Darkovic, is that his name? In his style of offense, like like he said, no one should have the ball in their hands for more than like half a second. So, like that's is like Darkovic? <laughs> what is it? is it Mirakovic? I don't know. Darko Rakić. Darko Yeah. Oh. What did you call me?
0: Adora Forest, Ophalactory, Marinations.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, um, you're right. I, I think they're going to acquire more shooters to make that work. Um, so we'll see.
0: There may have to be a trade somewhere. And I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. But I do know that the Chicago Blackhawks and Boston Bruins made a trade today to send Taylor Hall. To the Chicago Blackhawks, as well as the expiring contract of Nick Foligno to the Chicago Blackhawks. And going the other way are two expiring RFA players that no one cares about. So, essentially, what you see here is the Bruins just shedding $6 million of cap space. And look, Taylor Hall sounds like a sexy name, but realistically... It's been some time since he had a good season. I think that's fair to say. And maybe the change of scenery will do wonders for him. Maybe he's the next Patrick Kane on that team. Maybe playing with Connor Bedard ignites his career. and He goes back to being a 40-goal guy. Did he score 40 goals? He scored 39 goals one year with New Jersey. I thought so. Damn close.
2: 2017-2018, I think that's the year he won the heart he
0: did score ninety three points that year, yeah. in seventy six games. That's pretty crazy. And then, like the year after that, like he scored thirty seven in only thirty three games. So he's still well over point a game player. But in the past few seasons, this most recent season, he played sixty one games for the Boston Bruins and scored thirty six points. You know, it's not exactly respecting when you have a, a six million dollar player. You know, everyone likes to give uh, Willie Nylander shit imagine if willie meelander was out there putting up 36 points a season
2: oh especially yeah especially here He'd be, he you runs, know right I,
1: I, yeah but at the same time the hall does bring other things that you know there's a there is a, a intangibles tax into that contract he sure. plays significantly more aggressive he's fought people not that you want him fighting but he will um it, it, he's a different look I agree for a guy of his skill set you'd like to see 30 goals I think especially for that paycheck but I mean he was, he was still a pretty significant contributor to the he fit in with the Bruins style of play uh, he, he, he played it and he played it well yep. but like you said I think I think they've fallen in love with Tyler Bertuzzi
0: I was just going to say, so where do you think this money is being allocated? And do you think
2: it's Bertuzzi? I think it's Bertuzzi and potentially trading to get somebody else as well. Some defensive help, I think, for them on the back end. Oh,
1: man, Um, I didn't even think about that. If Eric Carlson wants out and he wants to go to a contender and if uh, Krejci and Bergeron don't come back and they've just traded Hall just for Bertuzzi money, I would imagine I got to play on cap friendly. I wonder if that's where that goes.
0: Well, as of right now, the Boston Bruins only have like six forwards under contract. Oh, really? You look at, you have, yeah, yeah. you have Pasternak, you have Marchand. So that's your top two. And then Coyle, Zaka, DeBrusque, and Greer. That's the only forwards they have under contract right now.
2: And does DeBrusque still want out, though, too? Because I know they kept him last season, but that was the understanding that they're still looking to move him.
1: Right. So and they, they have ten million dollars in cap space. So yeah, or maybe they they need another goaltender.
0: I mean they could re Swayman and they probably will.
1: You'd have to you'd unless, have to send out, out, one of, out of You'd have to send out one of Carlo McAvoy in the deal because I think Not they really like Lindholm. I like him so much The game with no trade Definitely not going to be
0: McAvoy
2: (laughs) McAvoy is a
1: Bruin through and through Like he is your Stereotypical Bruin Type player So I don't know That defense is pretty Short up Like they're all signed Into next year At relatively high Contracts So maybe there's Somebody else in the Forward group That they think They can bring in To to contribute against The loss of a Bergeron and a Krejci Unless Um, they're trying to Make a run at Ryan O'Reilly also yeah but i think that slows down that team pretty bad especially at the top end like i don't know that you can have a marshand and a and a pasternak take two strides less so that o'reilly can they had david team.
2: Krejci on the team that dude is are you, like jason allison
1: 2.0 no <laughs> also true i just i don't know who outside of bertuzzi which i imagine he'll command i don't know six million four and a half five minimum well what do you mean
0: i think he's going north to six honestly really
1: just
2: based on like Mm, what what the free agent pool looks like right now this is a really terrible free agent class that's Um, what i mean like so guys are going to be stretching
0: for a lot of these players they're going to be throwing out a lot of money for guys that maybe
1: don't necessarily deserve it yeah Mm. he made four seven five last year so he's probably getting six yeah yeah absolutely. North yeah. North. yeah he probably is yeah you know. and then I don't know I don't know I just don't know if there's anybody else out there that is a tradable asset is it Brock Besser I know Besser's wanted out of Vancouver for a while can he fit on that team I don't know is there other forwards is it uh Clayton Keller uh, but they they need center help yeah yeah Everyone I mean, needs center help. Yeah. Well, Pierre-Luc yeah. Dubois. <laughs>
2: Imagine uh, he's, he ended up he's, in
1: Boston and he had to play the, the Habs. Oh boy. Well,
2: the the prevailing theory is that dude's either going to LA or Montreal.
1: Yeah. But I, so I know we're off on the trade talk a little bit, but I don't think, I think he ends up in LA and here's the reason. The quality of players that LA is willing to give up in Gabe Velarde and Alex Ayafalo, Montreal doesn't have that. That that they could readily give up for like who who would you give up on Montreal? Is Brendan Gallagher as good as either of those two guys? No. And he's he's washed up at this point. That's what I mean, right? Are you gonna trade Caulfield, Suzuki? Is is Jake Evans? Like, these guys aren't the same. Like those two or those are two quality guys you can plug into your roster tomorrow. So I think if it comes down to it, LA definitely has the inside track on this dude. Although, the hold-up apparently is extension. Yeah. Well, Fucking cause... Pascal, Luke Dubois over here.
2: <laughs> if I go there, I'm not signing with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, it's funny because, like, I think we're so still caught up in that whole Taylor Hall narrative with the whole Sagan and Hall and, you know, what he was and the winning the heart in 2017-2018 that we forget that... That dude has some hard miles on him, and he's like 32. You know, so like chicagos it's not like they're getting the Taylor Hall of 2015 here. You know, he's going into the end of his career in a rebuilding Chicago team to potentially maybe mentor Bedard about being a first overall pick and, you know, the pressure and things like that. So,
1: Yeah, do you think knowing what Taylor Hall went through and some of the struggles early on in his career, do you think that makes him a good mentor for Bedard? Yeah, yeah. I do because, like, I think it's easy to
2: mentor success because you you can say, "I did this, I did that." It's much hard. It's it's easy to learn that side of it than it is to understand how to wade through the shit because it's easy to function when everything's going right it's harder to come out of the the crap and still be successful and not just successful, but Excel. I think it's really
1: poignant. I, I used to, you, I think you almost said what I was, you were, you were going to say it. And I thought you were going to say it, but it's easier to mentor success than it is to mentor through failure. And I think, I think you're bang on and maybe yeah, like,
2: so I think, I think having him go through everything he did in Edmonton and then, you know, coming out of that and going into Jersey and, you know, heart trophy winner cup final, things like that, that it's, he's seen both ends of the spectrum outside of winning a cup that he can, he can relay a lot of that experience on Bedard from all aspects. And I think too, with everything that Chicago has gone through and the past year, and Tay's not coming back, Kane not coming back, the Kyle Beach situation and things like that, you're going to need someone for Bedard to be able to rely on
1: and to lean on. That room just needs leadership in general somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're getting it from Seth Jones. (laughs) His (laughs) is 400-year contract.
2: No, not at all.
0: Well, I think the Blackhawks need a lot of things right now. And the Toronto Blue Jays, or not the Blue Jays, the Toronto FC as <laughs> need well a lot of things right now as well. I mean, the Blue Jays probably do as well, too, honestly. But uh, Toronto FC made some headlines this week because they finally let go of head coach Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley will finish his tenure with Toronto FC with a record of 14 wins, 26 losses, and 19 draws. Um, not exactly what you're looking for in your head coach, especially when he's like. I always felt like there's a, that weird conflict of interest with Bob Bradley. It's like your son's on the team. It's kind of strange, but you know, that's whatever. That's the road they decided to go down. I obviously this all started unraveling this year when Toronto FC just found themselves in the bottom of their division and just couldn't get out of it. And, and then he winning benched Bernardeski. Right. And I'm glad he brought that up because that was, I think directly because of some of the comments that Bernadeschi had about Toronto FC. And like (laughs) the the quote was, we don't play. Hmm. (laughs) He says, we play long pass. We don't have any idea to play. (laughs) It's like, he's clearly criticized. And then he went on to say, I think the city, the fans, everybody don't deserve this. Like, the players themselves were done with this guy, and you brought in Bernadeschi, you brought in Insigne, and these guys are supposed to be this firepower from Europe who's going to lead this team to victory. And,
1: and they have this. they brought back Richie LaRea, they brought they had um John, they re signed Jonathan Saria. They're supposed to be that the TFC. Listen, Bradley was right about one thing TFC does not know how to play defense. They are not good in the backfield. However, you can't put that on the front of your field. Especially with these guys who have offensive capabilities, like world-class offensive capabilities. And I think that's what Bernardeschi was saying, like they don't play they 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 hang back and they kick the ball cuz they're so afraid of getting scored on. And they play long ball because they you know, so you know, I think getting somebody in there who can even things out a bit. I think Bradley's thing was like Coach Orion was like, oh, You're just going to learn to play defense. And that's how you're going to figure it out. Um, and they were like, We are not. <laughs> we are very famous soccer players. That's not happening. So. And I think, to a degree, in in this kind of environment, you have to lean into what some of these guys are good at. Like bernardeski has got a hell of a cross, and he's great running the ball up the wing. Why are they playing long ball? Play possession. Enjoy. Hold the ball. Like find, give Insigne. Like find him in space. Like there's, you know, there's tons of talent on this team. I don't think they should be. Hell, their their goalkeeper is the Canadian national goalkeeper, is it not? So, you know, there's talent here. It's just, maybe it is the direction and, and we'll see with the coaching change.
2: I just think a guy like Bradley had his time in LA when, you know, he had so much around him, especially, and also in international soccer. And this isn't the same. Like you have a two really high end type players, but beyond that, it's, I don't know. It just, I think, I think he's past his prime as a coach and all coaches hit that point where, You know, it's no longer viable, your coaching style in the modern type game. And I feel like he's past that.
1: Yeah, right. I just, I don't think you can, I don't think you can try and fit a square peg into a round hole. I think that's what he tried to do with these guys. And like, I'm not saying having these guys play better defense is the wrong approach. I think if the, in, under what TFC currently runs and currently has, I think you just need to find better defensive players. I don't think teaching, I don't think forcing Bernadeschi and, and Insigne to to play better defense or whatever, or have the team play uh, a a weighted backfield game is the way to do this. I think you gotta make personnel changes or get your defenders to be better defenders. So, like uh, you gotta let these guys freewheel a bit. So, uh, soccer's much different than any sport where you know if these guys aren't allowed to do what they're good at then they're basically useless and it's it's unfortunate that he was you know smothering some of these guys talents it's funny it's it's like it's like Camavinga in uh I think he's playing in Bayern Munich they have him as a as a midfielder this guy is a, a fucking or I know he's he's back this guy's a fucking striker and they have playing in the backfield and it's just and like i heard a joke on a podcast this guy's the best backfielder in the game because he doesn't fucking belong there so <laughs> you know well uh, i mean hopefully tfc can turn it around like i was really getting into them i was enjoying the games but they've been so shite this year it's it's hard to and, and you know i know everyone has their gripes with apple i don't mind the apple baseball but apple tv's monopoly on the The MLS schedule is very difficult. And I don't know why they did that. Like, if you're growing the sport, you got to make it a little more. I don't mind subscribing to some for some games, but it's too much. It's it's like every game, which makes it inaccessible to a lot of people.
0: And like every game, like as far as I can remember this year for TFC, like every home game has been at like seven o'clock in the evening. It's like, why if the game's on Saturday? Why isn't the game at like one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon? Why are we doing it? Why are we waiting for the sun to go down? Like yeah, it's Why, summer. why, it's why nice. are you
1: competing? Yeah, with or the, even earlier, why are you competing with the Leafs? Just just strange.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, MLS for you.
1: Bye bye, Bob Bradley.
0: And we will have to wait and see who the next head coach of TFC will be. Hopefully, they'll have more success winning, winning soccer games. That would be ideal. But what is certainly ideal is pitching to everyone's favorite segment of the week.
2: That's right, it's
0: everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is the segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music from his very long run with the WWF.
1: Hear me out uh double or nothing battle royal he's the he's the joker who says no
0: i mean i'd be all for it but only if they get the music
1: can you imagine what kind of pop
0: i mean i would pop for maven that's for sure
2: just this that guy probably has a signed maven like Dude, picture hanging somewhere just Bathroom. that music
1: hits
0: yeah, that's all, that's all you need to
1: hear. That's what it. would happen? Do you think do you think crowd would give a shit? They'd like, even know what it is. They'd, like, <laughs> is oh, they'd turn their head.
2: You'd have like, the guy next. <laughs> have, this, this, is, this is the situation. You'd have Dustin being like, oh, my God. And the guy next to him would be like, what?
1: And he's like, like, it's Maven. And the guy's would be like, who? <laughs> you would have to put Jim Ross on commentary. It's Maven. Oh, my God. My god, Maven. Maven's here. I fell down the stairs.
2: He just he just honestly no, he's like, I'm sorry, I look bad. at I look at Maven and he just looks like such a wiener. Uh, like his face like he just looks like such a douche. It's the and eyebrows. I'm, looking at, it's the I'm eyebrows. looking at a picture of him right now and he just he didn't have the look to me. I don't They're know. They're clean eyebrows. Oh I thought
0: if you I don't know if you watched that uh Dude, that I did I did watch tough
1: enough.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I feel like he was the best of the bunch. I think Dude. he just didn't have a bunch. He
1: he reminded me almost at the time, though, his mannerisms and movements of the rock. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And and he but he just he he was missing the electricity. Oh, no, the dude,
2: the dude had as much personality as like dirt. His mic skills were
1: not the best.
0: Honestly, I think he was the best. And I think that's out out of the group. Yeah, out of the group. So like when they did that episode, like they're doing promos and stuff, when he did his promo, everyone was like, oh. There's something here. Yeah. And he doesn't necessarily show like he is the best in the business or anything. Like he just I think at that moment everyone said, Oh, wait a minute. There's something we can do with this guy here. And they never reached that potential. And I guess I mean the guy who had the longest tenure out of everybody was Josh Matthews, who's still in the business today. Uh Chris Nowitzki probably still would be in the business had he not had like that head injury, right? So you never know when you're you're a, a, a evaluating talent with, in any sport. Like you try to like even Grady Dicker we're talking about.
1: Uh, like, I would argue that Matt Cross has the longest career out of Tough Enough.
0: Well, no, but Matt Cross was a a wrestler prior, and B True. on a, a season like eight years later. I'm talking about like the original cast of the original show. Oh, okay. I think it was yeah Maven Nowiski and Matthews who were in that season.
2: Yeah. So fun fact. On July 29th, 2021, Mavid stated during an interview with Chris Van Ville... I now say his name in- wrong every time. Blight. Yeah. Blight? He, I don't know. He That he now works in finance, specifically on Wall Street.
1: Do you Dude's think like, doing okay.
2: Do you think the dude like makes a big trade and he like hits his music?
1: <laughs> he better. Dude, 100% that meme of uh, Christian Bale, how he walks into the office with the headphones from American Psycho, it's oh, Maven yeah, with the music.
2: That's Maven listening to his music on repeat all day, <laughs> every day. Anyway. I think we've
0: probably talked about it on the show. And then after the show, we then looked up the video. But in case you haven't seen it, go back and watch the Royal Rumble. I think it was like 2001, maybe, when Maven eliminated The Undertaker. And right after that, Undertaker grabs a chair and hits Maven in the head with it. Oh, it's like the
2: most insulting chair hit in the history it's- of chair hits. Wipe
1: yourself off, man. You dead. Yeah. He ended yeah, his career with that chair shot.
0: It's violence. Like, it is. It is. It was. <laughs> <They> <laughs> somebody being taught in.
1: a lesson for sure.
0: Yeah.
2: All right, who wants to go first? I'll go first because yeah. I don't want any of you to steal mine. My shadow goes to Happy Gilmore, the real-life golfer who just committed to... What was the university?
0: Well, this is uh, actual, so I don't know the story. There was a dude actually named Happy Gilmore.
2: And he's, okay. a, he's a j- amateur golfer going to... Yeah. So um, Adam Sandler... And Adam Sandler reached out to the kid and said, Go get him. Um, go get him, Happy. Pulling for you. So the teen Happy Gilmore, whose real name is Landon, adopted Happy as a nickname when he began to compete in tournaments. Uh, he said... So he committed to the Ball State golf program as part of the 2024 class. So he's going to Ball State University. So ball going home. If this
0: (laughs) if this man makes it to the pro tour, the PGA slash LIV tour, this motherfucker better be wearing a Boston Bruins sweater.
1: Dude, his Twitter handle, he in his profile, it says, "Yes, I can do the Happy Gilmore swing."
0: Hell yeah, hell yeah, he can.
1: So apparently, <laughs> um,
2: he shot an eighty-eight at the U.S. Open local qualifier earlier in the year. It's not bad. That's that's not bad. Depending on what the right, course rate, was. But it's not bad. <laughs> Well, like it depends. Like if you're if you're talking about like a normal course K, but if you're talking about like whistling straights and he shot an ADL yeah. i like, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to hear.
1: I just want to hear it one time. McIlroy, Rory, and Gilmore. Gilmore, happy. Happy.
2: <laughs> Honestly, if 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 he were to make the PGA tour and that happens, he needs to stand in front of Rory. Just as he's lining up his, <laughs> up his shot, and he's like, get out of the way.
1: <laughs> oh, dude, if, like, I was, if I was the real-life Happy Gilmore, I would try and reenact as much of that film <laughs> in real life as possible just for YouTube money. I would definitely. Dude, just, yeah, like even. Especially like, now
2: that people yeah, know who he is.
1: Right.
0: At any point, just drop in little Easter eggs. Like, just have your caddy take a shoe off at one point. Yeah, and just have him standing there with one shoe on
1: on the green. Yeah,
0: yeah. Have your caddy bathe in one of the traps. You don't even reference it. Like you don't even mention it. But
1: someone's gonna get that shot. Have your caddy wash his underwear in the fucking ball washer.
2: (laughs) Or it'd be be hilarious if he made like, say on like day one of a like Thursday of a tournament, say maybe like the waste management in Arizona, and whoever he's paired with, he's like. Five back, but he makes like a good shot on seventeen. He's like, the way I see it, we've only just begun. We're like, dude, you're forty back on day one. Like you're not making the cut.
1: or he does the <laughs> riding the bull, feeling it. Yeah,
2: here comes the putter oh. throw. Oh well, wait, maybe this is a new hockey goal. of
0: putter. He's got to have a hockey stick putter.
2: Yeah, or he Boston Bruins polo.
0: Yeah, he's got Yeah, uh-huh. it could just be a small little reference like that.
2: So. Just the little see. Look how much joy we got out of that, just right there, and that alone deserves the shout out. And then get what's his name from
1: uh, Mandalorian to to come out as Chubs. Oh, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, yeah, had him on. Has him on the bag one day. He Carl Weathers club dance? club covers, like like on his drivers. That'd be amazing. You know what?
2: They need someone to uh if he makes a putt to like. Choke on that, baby. <laughs> Boom. Just have some guy. There you go.
0: Well, and the guy who plays... The guy who plays Shooter McGavin, I don't remember his name. No he could does. easily step into that role and
2: just film shorts with him. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's
1: it's TikTok content made in heaven. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. They could make a killing. So that's my shout-out this week. Um, also, minor shout-out is to... Yoshi P the producer of Final Fantasy 16 because that dude single-handedly saving Square Enix.
0: My shout out goes to Brendan Shanahan because I know we've given him a lot of shit lately but you don't see a lot of presidents of companies walking in the Pride parade. So I will say thank you for that for at least uh, leading by example and we talk even on this episode. About how the NHL has treated the whole pride situation, but to see the president of the Toronto Maple Leafs walking in the pride parade this past weekend was pretty cool. So, especially I say, after
1: the departure of Kyle Dubas, who was a prominent supporter of that, yes, for him to continue is class. And
2: and I I do want to say like good on the organization because a lot of organizations and companies and I guess people will. Limit their posting of, you know, pride events because of the backlash and obviously like good on the team for doing that. Cause if you read the comments on their post it's disgusting. Like, honestly, I see what some of the people say. And I'm like, you people really need to get a life. Like if this is what you're the hill you're dying on is to post this shit, uh, like this hate shit on, you know, replies Dude, if it to bothers posts, you, like go away. Off. If it bothers yeah. you,
1: just go the other way. Just turn around. But like, good on the team for
2: you know still posting it and putting that out there. So I agree.
1: My shout out—I've already mentioned on the show—to the boys, Tarek and Mark Wheeler, for going out there and getting that Ring of Honor work. Um, I know Tarek's got people pulling for him to get the get that Ring of Honor gig. So go and get your visa, buddy, uh, and get your shit in because uh, you're, you're a hella talented dude. You're A great dude Um, and I think it's about time people got to see what you could do uh, on a scale like that and hopefully it continues to grow and Mark Wheeler kid is still young Uh, looks like a million bucks has a drop kick that rivals Okada's and you know is a workhorse he gets out there he travels he's in the states all the time Um, constantly trying to reinvent himself as a professional wrestler looking at different ways to to give himself different looks different ways of presenting himself and that's i mean that's what the greats do you look at guys like sting you look at guys like jericho you look at guys like seth rollins to this day you even look at guys like you know to a different degree triple h they found ways to present sorry undertaker undertaker for sure found different ways to present themselves and when you see a kid like mark wheeler do that already Uh, really fucking cool so shout out to those guys they fucking deserve it it was real great to see it out there and I did yell go Derek
0: (laughs) and shout out to all of you for tuning in to another episode of 43.6 thank you to our sponsor now your treasures and we will see you next week for another wonderful episode but until then take care of yourselves and each other